I am your host, the Doc Chad Matthews, lordsofpain.net. Wherever you may be listening, Doc says, Doc says... Uh. This is just what the doc ordered I'm saying welcome They sick of the other shows Chad here to help them The author of the mania era Is bringing terror on L.O.P. radio This is to prepare for the knowledge That he about to showcase Like a bar that you lift His opinions hold weight He wrote a few books And he's working on another for y'all This a five-star podcast Chad, let's get it on Author of the Wrestlemania era The book of sports entertainment And of the doctor's orders On lordsofpain.net Doc says. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the March Mayhem Tournament to crown the very best wrestler in the entire world. What began as 65 men with a dream to win the ultimate title is now down to four. From the cleaner regional, it's the top overall seed, Kenny Omega, the owner of more five-star matches in a single year than any man in wrestling history. He will face the current WWE champion on perhaps career-redefining form in Daniel Bryan, the fifth seed from the Rainmaker Regional, who knocked off both Omega's greatest rival and best friend to get here. Across the bracket, the only other top seed to make the Final Four, Johnny Gargano, Mr. Takeover, Mr. NXT, perhaps the next NXT champion. And in the opposite corner, it will be Seth freaking Rollins, himself on career form and perhaps set to take the next leap forward in his WWE legacy. The fans have spoken. They loudly and proudly proclaim that it should be Rollins versus Omega in a dream match in next week's finale. But Gargano versus Rollins is itself a dream match, as is Brian versus Omega. It is safe to say that Brian versus Omega would be the biggest match in the history of any promotion in the world beyond WWE scope that it hosted it. Gargano versus Rollins, were it to perhaps take place at NXT TakeOver, would completely and utterly remove the word developmental from that which we see presented in special events from the yellow brand five times per calendar year. It's destiny. It's a shining moment waiting to happen. It's the March Mayhem Final Four. Rollins versus Gargano was up first. One hour time limit, stated extra time to be added if necessary. The first five minutes were nothing but athleticism, counter after counter to even the most basic offensive maneuver setting the tone. Looking back on the totality of the action, neither wrestler was able to sustain an offensive advantage for any longer than two minutes or so. A full list of the counters would take most of the show to deliver. But a few of the more noteworthy highlights included Gargano attempting to throw Rollins into the turnbuckle like a lawn dart, only for Rollins to slip out, grab Johnny's arm, and deliver the revolution knee strike, which the architect immediately tried to follow with a turnbuckle bomb, only for Gargano to lift up and out of it, connect with an Insigurian sidekick to the head for a close near fall. Gargano himself kicked out of a few of Seth's signature moves, including the Phoenix Splash and the Pedigree. The finish came when Gargano went for the slingshot spear, but Rollins caught wind of it just soon enough to deliver a quick sidekick, which was swiftly followed by the stomp. Could Brian versus Omega follow the previous match? Of course they could. It seems fascinating to consider that we were a few tweaks in the space-time continuum away from Brian not re-signing with WWE, and there being no such thing as AEW, keeping Omega in New Japan permanently, and perhaps drawing Brian Danielson back to headline the Tokyo Doom against the best bout machine. It's a match that seemed like a dream, then nearly became a reality, then became a dream yet again, only for it now to be a dream come true, 
in the March Mayhem tournament. It was a fascinating spectacle. Brian predictably attempting to keep the cleaner grounded, and Omega hell-bent on drawing out of Brian the full arsenal that once allowed him to gloriously fill our run times a decade or so ago. Omega is accustomed to enduring through submission grappling, so even when the current WWE champion was able to keep the AEW Double or Nothing headliner on the mat, Omega was always quick to avoid attempts at Brian's finishing tap-out machines, gut through the already established agony, and show his fighting spirit to pick the pace up again and test the former American Dragon Iron Man's now sure-to-be-diminished fitness level. In the end, submission gave way to highly athletic gifts of the Omega Man, and it will be Kenny Omega versus Seth Rollins in next week's final. Thank you for joining us for this March Mayhem update. Now let's get back to The Doc Says and this week's special guest, Jay Cool. Hello and welcome to The Doc Says on LOP Radio. I am your host, The Doc Chad Matthews, author of The WrestleMania Era, The Book of Sports Entertainment, The Greatest Matches and Rivalries of the WrestleMania Era, and of The Doctor's Orders on LordsOfPain.net. Wherever you may be listening, thank you very much for making me a part of your day. We are one week away from WrestleMania 35, and with that, we have our latest NXT TakeOver event. It's NXT TakeOver New York. So, for this Sunday conversation, I wanted to bring back a good friend of the program from the past, NXT, the guru of NXT on LordsOfPain.net. It is Jay Cool. Welcome back, sir. Great to have you. Thanks for having me back on this uh, new launch of the Doc Says. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'm excited to have you on because NXT is always a very fun brand to discuss. It's been one of the best things about the about the wrestling world this decade especially over the last few years as the takeover franchise has matured and takeover new york is upon us so you know very well and for those of you who are are just hearing this for the first time i'm usually more of a an nxt takeover to takeover type of yellow brand fan so leading up to this takeover card what's your general impression of the brand we're in a good spot, and uh, I, I I was thinking about this earlier today, and and uh, you know around what 2002 2003 you get that um, Paul Heyman kind of booking style in SmackDown. They call it the SmackDown Six, and I was thinking, you know what, NXT has that right now. They had, or at least they had that um, that kind of top six, and they featured them on that special uh, halftime heat this year at the Super Bowl. And, and that's a, that's a great indication of where NXT is as a brand because now they're willing to kind of sell themselves as an alternative to entertainment like the Super Bowl. Uh, that shows you how well thought of, uh, NXT is at this point in time. Absolutely. And that was a great showcase for those guys that I thought did a, a really wonderful job of putting on display Something that I actually, I don't know if you, if you, if you care anything about New Japan or, or, uh, or watched that Kenny Omega documentary that just came out. No, I haven't seen that yet. It's really cool. And one of the things it talks about, it has Kenny Omega talking about how, uh, his whole sort of thing he wanted to do when he went to New Japan is he really wanted to take wrestling to its peak athletic level it could possibly reach. 
and I get the sense that, you know, NXT has really taken a page from that playbook from New Japan and other independent, you know, and, and independent promotions and has channeled that into the heart of their product. It's just such exciting wrestling to watch. It's why someone like myself can just watch TakeOver and feel like he knows everything that's going on with the brand in general because the wrestling is so good. They tell such thorough stories. There is uh, That's this sort of the theme of the yellow brand, in my opinion, is just telling simple stories leading up to the matches, and the matches provide the platforms for the wrestlers to go out there and, and really tell the deep and intricate stories sometimes that they want to tell. And I thought that that match that we saw with Halftime Heat was a lot of fun for that reason. It did a great job of showcasing the brand. So I want to ask you something about the brand in general before we get into the TakeOver New York card. Um, We are now five years removed from NXT as a brand becoming what we... what we know it to be in the WWE Network era. It was February of 2014 where TakeOver Arrival happened. Or I don't even think it was called Arri- well, just, uh, TakeOver back then. It was no, just Arrival. You're right. Yeah, just Arrival. That's right. So, you know, we're, we're far removed from that. We've had five years for NXT to build its brand. And with with all of its achievements... Um, with with all of the, the the elevation of the takeover franchise, do you think that we're at a point where the brand's achievements stand alone, and it doesn't really rem- it doesn't necessarily matter to the legacy of what they did in NXT that will shape our opinion of what happens, even if they flame out on WWE proper. You know, I'm thinking about Bobby Roode. I'm thinking about Shinsuke Nakamura, who two years ago, going into WrestleMania weekend, were having what felt to me like one of the biggest rematches for the NXT Championship that we'd ever seen, with the explosion and popularity of both guys, with the Rude theme song, the Nakamura theme song, with the aura they'd created for themselves in NXT. Does it really matter if they go to the main roster and flop? Does it matter to their legacies? And if, And if so... How do we compare NXT success with WWE success on a historical level? How do we compare NXT success, for that matter, to New Japan success? That's a big question with a lot of parts, but can you break it down? (laughs) I I will certainly try. I think, um, I mean, some of what we determine matters is, is really by consensus, to an extent, right? So when I'm, you know, reading on social media what fans are saying about uh, how frustrating it is to see wrestlers who achieve such great heights in NXT and then not be treated that way on WWE, when I think of that and compare it to how we were supposed to be viewing NXT, which is as a developmental brand, as a brand that can feature some of these independent stars uh, who have never been in WWE before, and that's kind of their like gateway into the universe. Um, when I think of those two things side by side, um, I see that we we sh- we should feel frustrated when those wrestlers don't make it on the main roster because they're clearly capable wrestlers. They've been picked to be on NXT for a reason. They've been given a, a platform to shine. And we know that they can do it. So 
that's when you start to think, well, it's not their fault then on WWE in, in, you know, in total. It might be a little bit their fault that they're not, um, grabbing the brass ring, if you will, or maybe they're not, they're, they're choosing to, uh, toe the line a little more. Maybe they should take more chances. But, um, I feel like we still have to kind of look at, as long as they're going to tell us NXT is developmental, we have to, you know, take that in account when we look at the the pic- big picture for a wrestler on the on in their time as a WWE wrestler. I don't I don't see it as NXT and WWE main rosters separate. I think we still have to see that together. That said, um, looking more at like how does NXT compare against other brands besides WWE, um, <clears throat> you're seeing it now spoken of as like a a top what three brand like you think WWE you think New Japan now and then you think uh, you know you could put Lucha there you could put NXT there Ring of Honor is not quite maybe as competitive but they do have big events too so AEW the, is now coming into the and AEW's yeah AEW's coming in and and we have to wait and see how that kind of plays in but NXT can hold its own as far as I'm concerned against all those things. We've got a uh, a takeover coming up uh, start of June, and they're going to sell that takeover without a WWE main roster pay per view attached to it. So that's a big that'll be a big indicator of how well it sells as well. I think they're trying to push this as its own entity, but as long as they tell us it's developmental, I think you know what I said earlier. We still have to see it as you know like that part one, part two. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the next year of NXT's history plays out because what of an event like the one in San Jose tells me is that if they sell that out, that's the next step forward to completing and and making the rumor a reality, that which we've heard about maybe putting NXT on a USA network or, or Fox or something like that. The door's open, I think, with Fox to add in more content and to make NXT part of that content really makes sense with how hot pro wrestling is getting. I mean, if if AEW goes out and signs the TV deal that many are expecting them to with a major network, not something that's on some obscure channel that most people don't have, Hmm. but one that pretty much everyone does have, if you get that type of deal for NXT, that's a game changer. And I think maybe at that point, I tend to agree with you for right now, but I'm I'm less so inclined to agree with you than I probably ever have before as it pertains to can we start looking at someone like Bobby Roode's NXT career and have a separate conversation from the one that he's had on SmackDown and Monday Night Raw. If they go and they succeed with San Jose, if they get their own TV deal someday and it becomes a standalone brand, if that's the case, I think that that's that's probably going to be the the moment we at least start further entertaining drawing that line in the sand and separating the two. I, I thought that was ex- that, that was the main challenge when completing my book last year. The greatest matches and rivals rivalries of the WrestleMania era gives an honorable mention. The last honorable mention before getting into the top 100 is the Gargano versus Ciampa rivalry. And I left it there because I felt like, okay, this is the best thing NXT has ever done. And yet I still can't see myself putting it into what's happened on the main roster over the last 35 years. Not yet. I want to 
at least put it out there that I'm considering it, but I wasn't ready to do it. And, and so, yeah. So and and so here we are. Any closing thoughts on, on that thought process before moving forward? Yeah, that, I mean that makes sense to me. Um, I think yeah, if, if NXT gets its own show on cable, and then that will that will change things. But if WWE is going to keep bringing up their NXT stars and just expect people to know about them um and not like promote them as like you know this is a new wrestler coming in and we're going to do some vignettes to lead up to it like they they rarely treat nxt stars like that they it's just like implicitly they just think oh well if you're a wwe fan you're just going to know who nxt people are so that's confusing too because you know then you start to think you know, more along the lines of, okay, well, maybe they are already in the universe. They're not separate, you know, but they are, but they're still separate. So uh, there's, maybe they're not even sure. Maybe WWE's not even sure what, how to define NXT anymore. And, and maybe that's part of the confusion. I don't think that the, the leader in charge of WWE seems to know what anything means anymore <laughs> half the time. Uh, and that's, and that's frustrating. So I don't want to dovetail into the NXT call-up process because I think that it would be, you know, very clear to identify it as a complete and utter failure and that something that is in total need of being revamped pretty much everybody beyond Finn Balor and the early months of, of Bailey has has really even scratched the surface of what they accomplished down in NXT. Translating that success pretty much from... 2017's beginning onward we're at a two-year and counting process where we just have people show up from nxt and it's not just that we're expected to know who they are but it's the fact that half the time if not 75 percent or more of the time they don't even bring the character from nxt over to the main roster so they expect you a to know who they are but they then b don't bring over the character that defines who they are so it, none of it makes sense. Not a single part of the NXT call-up process makes sense. But here we are. We're in a very unique position. And the place that I want to start is with the two most recent call-ups. And that's Ricochet and Alistair Black. As we transition to our discussion about TakeOver New York, they're coming back from the main roster to NXT. They have won the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. And now here they stand to face the War Raiders for the NXT Tag Team Championships. And Jay Cool, I don't mind saying that I think the NXT Tag Team division has been on an absolutely unbelievable hot streak. And they pretty much stands for a very short sort of world-building period of time in their more recent history. You can go all the way back to the point where it was the, the revival against American Alpha three years ago at TakeOver Dallas, tearing it down. It's been nonstop great tag team matches at TakeOver pretty much ever since. And even the ones that were just good were really good for good reasons. So what do you expect from this? Because I look at Ricochet and Aleister Black, and I see two guys who basically are always in the conversation for having the best match at TakeOver. And here we are. They're facing two guys who are incredibly unique. This has Show Stealer written all over it to me, but it's got a lot of competition. So what do you think? 
Yeah, it does have a lot of competition, but uh, like you say, the tag match is it, it has been typically the um, start starting point of the evening. Uh, most of the takeovers in 2018 started off with the uh, the undisputed era trying to retain their tag titles, and the only exception to that was uh, New Orleans with the uh, ladder match, and then War Games when. The war games was tag teams and they were in the main event. So like this is, this is going to be great. Um, all these guys are going out there to set the tone for the evening. So they're not going to hold anything back. War Raiders haven't fought since Takeover Phoenix. So I think that's an indication of how special the, the NXT, uh, producers are trying to make that team feel like they are really, truly special occasion, special feature. Uh, team to watch um, at this point so we don't really have uh, too much interaction between these teams yet except for um, last week at the end of the Dusty Classic but that should not be uh, getting in the way of fans appreciating what they're going to bring to this match like it's it's going to be high flying it's going to be fast paced it's it's two face teams like let's let's be honest there's no there's no one that's going to be booing anyone in this match and that's a rare thing to see not only in the tag division but also in an opening match to the night it's it's just going to be a lot of positive energy so for that reason it may be able to hold hold itself uh to a higher standard than some of the other matches uh, on the evening. What do you think is going to be taking us outside that tag team match for a second? What do you think is, is going to be Ricochet's immediate fate on the WWE main roster? Well, he's been tagging with, uh, with black, right? So far. Okay. Within six months, we'll say. You think he'll be in that tag team? Probably not. Uh, knowing how quick they they move with uh, the tag teams, uh, I mean, he he if he gets a chance to to do a, uh, like a singles match on a pay per view card and really show his stuff in like ten fifteen minutes, like I don't know how how the fans couldn't love that. Like I would say he's got to be he's got to be in the mix for like a U.S. title or an intercontinental run. If he can get that match that will help him to to cement his status, if if he gets kind of relegated to the pre-show and things like that, then it'll be harder for him, I think. I would love to see. There's just this 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 piece of me that wants to see Vince McMahon just get it. Like I always felt like he got he got it with Rey Mysterio, like Rey Mysterio. You know, got over pretty quickly when he came to the when he came to WWE. Uh, it obviously had the mask, and the, the mask was really popular. Uh, you know, a hot merchandise item. But you know, he always found a space for Rey Mysterio, and then eventually pushed him to the top. And it wasn't that Mysterio was ever all that charismatic, but he you know he had a certain kind of charisma. You know, he takes someone like that under his wing every so often, and you know, I think earlier this decade it was Daniel Bryan. Like I think Daniel Bryan came into WWE with an expectation that he was going to be a certain thing for WWE and through the eyes of Vince McMahon. But Vince McMahon gave him some opportunities to do a little bit more than that, and he ended up 
you know, shocking everybody by being able to develop this incredible character, first as a babyface, now as a heel. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe Vince McMahon will look at Ricochet, because he's at an age where I feel like if you're going to push and go all the way with Ricochet, you got to do it sooner than later. I don't think you can wait till this guy is in his mid to late 30s to go all the way with him because of how much athleticism is you know, a key facet in what he brings to the table. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe we'll see something big from Ricochet uh, because he didn't spend enough time at NXT to really establish that unbelievable, unforgettable legacy. Do you think? Like, I feel like there was so much left in the tank for Ricochet to accomplish in NXT that, you know, we never will get to see him hit that singles peak to get to that level that Johnny Gargano has achieved and really give him a run for his money. So I'm hoping that main roster success is not something that's too terribly far away for this guy. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't know if I'm missing him as like the only thing he didn't get is NXT championship. I'm not just given how things have gone the last, you know, year, like there wasn't really a great, spot for him to become the champ just because of how dominant Gargano Ciampa was but like you say um he's capable uh of being that on the main roster if he gets that kind of special you know Midas touch from McMahon I agree I'd love to see that I think that on this card to me the wild card that I feel like I don't know enough about one half of the match to feel super confident that it's going to be the show stealer that I feel like a lot of people think that it might be. Well, let's talk about Matt Riddle versus the Velveteen Dream. It's for the North American Championship. Velveteen Dream's been on quite a roll. Matt Riddle hasn't had the platform yet to fully showcase what he can do. And as such, I've honestly not yet seen the full extent of what he can do. I feel like the closest I got was I tuned into that NXT match earlier in the year with uh, with Drew Gulak and thought, oh, wow, okay, yeah, I'm on board with this. I could watch this a lot. How do you yeah. think that ends up meshing with the Velveteen Dream? And what do you expect from this match? Yeah, I'm I'm happy that you saw that. I think that's, that's just a good vote of confidence for what Riddle can do in the ring. But Dream is such a different style and different charisma than than gulak so uh i i feel like as much as dream is kind of the lead here and certainly uh i think he'll have the most support um i think dream may find himself having to wrestle more of a riddle type style to win the match. Um, I think we're going to see dream being pushed to, to, to try and maybe play a little bit more of a, of a mat based wrestling style. Uh, I think you might see him being pushed to, to kind of, uh, you know, grapple uh, a little more than like, I think obviously he's going to go to the top rope. He's going to hit the turnbuckle a lot, but uh, he's going to try and get riddle out of his, zone but because of the kind of character matt riddle is he's he's very uh patient very laid back um 
he'll he'll strike when he sees fit kind of that's what i've seen of him in in the matches so far i think that might really throw off dream and i think that's going to make the match a a very interesting watch do i think it's going to be a match the night candidate i i don't think it will be at this takeover and i think part of that is just because yeah riddle is hasn't had the platform to really raise his stock more but the fans have bought into him at full sale and uh and he is easy to like uh so this could be kind of a match that indicates uh what riddle is capable of in in a championship featured match but i don't think it'll be a match of the night wouldn't that be wild if the velveteen dream proved very well adept at adapting his style to matt riddle's and if that were the case, I mean, would there be anything that the guy can't do? <laughs> I mean, that would, it would look great for Dream. It'd yeah, that would be him... incredible. Like, uh, that's the type of thing that I, I, uh, you know, I wonder about the Velveteen Dream. Is, as young as he is and as fast as he's risen and as good as he is already, um, you know, what, what's this guy's ceiling? Because I look at him and I think to myself, why isn't this guy on the main roster right now? Like, um, you know, you've got this young, you know, young guy with a great look and a great physique and a ton of charisma, and he's got the gimmick, obviously, and WWE, that's not necessarily been their modern bag, but, you know, certainly someone like Vince McMahon can see all of some of the colorful stuff that was once popular amongst his classic iconic personas <laughs> And yeah. see Velveteen Dream borrowing from that and, and think, man, God, I forgot how good this was when someone does it right. So, um, I don't know. This 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 is the, the, the match with the most question marks to me. But I, there's a part of me. Can't you just kind of see this in, in maybe two or three or four years? Can't you kind of see this being like a, a preview of the future of the company? Absolutely. And Dream is, uh, and, and the good thing is that you can tell that Dream wants that, right? Because he's so blatant about it. Like, what was a few takeovers ago and he had, uh, the, on his trunks, you know, to, for Vince to watch him, you know, call yep. me up Vince kind of thing, right? Like, and he didn't tell anybody about that ahead of time. They only caught that when he was out there in the ring. Like, that's really the kind of, um, attitude that I would expect of someone who wants to be that kind of main event wrestler. That's that's all all the stories you hear about the guys from the 80s and 90s who became these main event legends had that kind of uh, attitude and and so yeah I think yeah future for sure it's uh it's pretty he's he's just great he's great to watch it's just awesome. A lot of people feel very strongly that Matt Riddle's a big part of that too. You know he's got that natural charisma. He's got that look too. You know, they are, uh, they, they both have that kind of, they both have that aura that kind of feels like that's got to be what WWE is hoping to find. You know, a guy or two guys that can do the kind of wrestling that is fast paced, is a lot of fun, is, is extremely athletic, that fits that modern style that, that wrestling the in-ring performance has just evolved into this decade, but still have those very WWE qualities. Like, if they can marry those two things together, if Matt Riddle and the Velveteen Dream, quite frankly, aren't exactly that, 
then I don't know what is. You know, I feel like if they can marry those two things together, then then you've got a real hit on your hands. You've got that sort of thing that would bridge the gap and and get the two philosophies on the same page. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. All right, well let's talk about uh, let's talk about NXT UK for a second because you've got Pete Dunne defending the WWE United Kingdom Championship against Walter. And I don't know how much attention you've paid to NXT UK, but Pete Dunne has spent a lot of time in the early days of their TV show kind of building up his title reign legacy. And this is the first time to me that it's really felt like this historic title reign is really threatened. This feels like, to me, probably the time to pull the trigger. Yeah, I haven't watched a lot of NXT UK, but I can, I mean, just from seeing Walter, did he debut on the first UK takeover? He did. He debuted after the main event. That's right. So, yeah, okay. So uh, that's what I remember. And and he was, man, like the crowd was into it. They knew who he was. He he's in, got an intimidating presence. And you could tell that was setting up a pretty uh, major feud. So just from that alone, that would give me an indication that we could see the end of the reign here because Pete Dunne, man, like he's had so many feature matches on just the regular NXT brand. Like call him over. Like let's, let's get him in on, on, on the, the main roster or NXT stage and let him show his stuff some more. The guy's great. Indeed. Indeed. And you know, uh, the thing that I'm intrigued about, I mean, I don't know what your hype level is for this match, but, um, Walter, according to a lot of people that I talk to regularly, was probably one of the top five in-ring performers in the world last year, according to them. So apparently this guy, and I've never actually seen anything of him yet, but apparently this guy is incredible, that he's he just has this, this incredible bruising style and that what we should expect from this match with Pete Dunne is absolute magic of British strong style or, or whatever strong style. Yeah, I've heard the same, Doc. And so, yeah, the hype level is not as much because I haven't been following NXT UK as closely. Um, but I'm sure that uh, the the video package before the match will will more than uh, achieve the ability to c- catch us up, and and then we'll be ready to go. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I think it'll be a, a fine match. I think it's going to fit into the number two slot on the evening, just because it's uh, it's not main brand, and typically, uh, anytime the UK Championship's been defended, it's been that second match. So, I think that's where we can expect it. Let's talk about the women's division. You know, from a different, uh, from a distance rather, you know, being a takeover only NXT viewer, really. You know, we're seeing the longest drought in some time without what seems like a go-to rivalry defining the division. We went from Banks versus Charlotte shortly into thereafter into Banks versus Bailey, then to Bailey versus Asuka, to Asuka versus Ember Moon, from Ember Moon versus Shayna Baszler, and then from Shayna Baszler to, to Kyrie Sane. And, and never without 
you know, an obvious, well, we can see they're building to this kind of uh, feud on the back burner or the something they were, you know, looking at it like uh, during the in-between between Banks and Bailey and Asuka and Bailey. It seemed pretty clear Asuka was the one they were building up to being that next champion. And I look at it from afar, and I don't see that right now with the women's division. I feel like we've been in a holding pattern since Sane versus Baszler kind of ended rather flat in Los Angeles last November on Survivor Series weekend. Um, where do you see the the women's division? I mean, we've got Baszler defending against Yo Shirai, Kyrie Sane, and Bianca Belair on uh, next Friday night. So what are your thoughts on the division at large and in this match? I think the same. It's it's very clearly Shayna Baszler's division right now, and and that's how they're promoting it, and that's that's how she's you know even especially the last few weeks, she's been coming in and just wrecking matches that really have nothing to do with her, just to kind of show that this is her division. And what I like about that is it it heralds back to when she first came in to NXT and she went into that locker room and said this is my locker room now and that's when uh, she's kind of scared off Dakota Kai and they had that little kind of on again off again feud where Kai you know gained some confidence after a while but still could not beat Baszler Um, you've got yeah Baszler's beat Belair with interference but she's still beat her she's beaten Sane Uh, Shirai is the new the new one to watch for and she's an interesting one because you kind of sense that maybe she could be the next champ, but she just hasn't had enough time on the NXT TV shows to kind of show what she can do. Um, and she's been paired very closely with Kyrie Sane. Like they've had some tag matches against uh, Duke and Shafir. So they've built that up really nicely that there's reason for for this um, kind of animosity between them. And Shirai seems to be, you know, somewhat um, maybe someone Baszler could have a good match with. But making it a fatal four-way like they have, maybe it's more of uh, NXT trying to figure out, like, okay, who these are our top four ladies right now. Who who's gonna show that they are ready to take it to the next level? So it's not a it's not a it's not like an endpoint here. Like I think Takeover in New York is not an endpoint for the women's division. It's 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 kind of a okay. Let's see what we have for the next six months, eight months. Is there a talent that's not featured in this match that you look at and say, this is someone who within the next six months can get to that level? Because I feel like right now one of the things that uh, the women's division is showcasing through this fatal four-way is that you know the, the division is in this sort of in-between period and it's going to continue to be. Uh, and Baszler might not even be long for the title. That, that's a possibility to throw out there from a results standpoint here is that a fatal four-way is often a good lazy way to, uh, uh, a lazy yet very effective way to move the championship um, because the champion is moving on. Yeah, I mean, see, they called up uh, some people, right? Like, 
uh, a talent like Lacey Evans, like she was getting the, the, the push that she could have been the next top villain in NXT. Like she was wrestling really well. She was, she's had the promo, she had the character That's and then she got called up. Right. So, so they lost that. Right. Um, so now they're, I think they're kind of, you can kind of sense maybe that they didn't know those guys were all going to get called up when they did because you're, they're left with this. Okay. Let's figure out what's next. To answer your question, there's not there's not someone who's missing from that match right now. Like those are our top four. There's people who maybe could get there soon. Uh, Mia Yim is pretty pretty. Uh, she's gotten a lot of TV time in the last few months. Um, they're pushing this Aliyah Vanessa Born tag team, but again, that's for the women's tag. I think that's gonna be. Uh, you know, someone that maybe Bailey and Banks or whoever's the champs are come down and face in NXT. So, gotcha. no, these are our top four right now. This is what we're dealing with. Gotcha. Well, I think it's going to be interesting. I almost wonder if, uh, you know, not to play armchair Booker here looking at the past, but they've burned through in what wasn't it three consecutive takeovers? The. Kyrie Sane and Shayna Baszler feud. Uh, it was uh, Brooklyn Evolution and then War Games two. Got it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it was Evolution that was thrown in there. Um, it just felt like I think Brooklyn was the match to me that I felt clicked the best, and I felt like that was the one that man that showed me this is the rivalry. Like if, if they're, if they're both going to be sticking around NXT for a while, as they've both proven to do, then a payoff there by delaying it and having some more challenger of the takeover scenarios come about might've, you know, might've done a world of good for both and for the division at large. Cause it, it seems like it just, it needs, it needs a feud like that right now. And the tag team division has done such a good job of replenishing uh, lost talents by just being smart. Either that or it's just been a series of fortunate events. But, um, you know, for the women's division to, to, to retool like that really quickly hasn't necessarily felt like the case like we've seen with tag team, the tag team scene, which is, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of options. I mean, it's been tag team scene's been pretty confined to a very few teams. So um, there for a while, I think the women's division did that very well. And I would like to see them in the near future get back to that because fatal four ways are fine. I'm sure it's going to be a fun, you know, 10 to 12 minute match. And that, that certainly won't, um, we won't look back on and, and have anything negative to say about, but I mean, I don't think it's that much of a candidate to, to be a, a huge part of this card. And, um, you know, I didn't really feel like the women's division match at Phoenix was given that chance either. Even though I liked it, it wasn't a candidate for, for one of the best of the night. And I think the women are capable of that. I thought Kyrie Sane and Shayna Baszler's match in Brooklyn was tremendous. Yeah, I, I liked it too. And maybe, I, I you know, I, I, I would like to say that we should probably revisit this in uh, August because um, I'm interested to see how, like if this women's tag team title, if they start to do a little <coughs> more cross branding and bring it down to NXT, you know, from tag teams have come some really great single stars and, and maybe that's 
kind of something that they need to look at uh, building a little more on uh, on the roster. That might be somewhere where they might find that next kind of challenger for Baszler from someone getting that shine in the tag tag matches. Because if then they can feature more women on the card at once, and and that's always helpful. Yeah, that's a great idea. That would be very cool. Well, um, let's move on to the main event for the vacant NXT Championship. Originally, it was intended that Gargano and Ciampa would face each other yet again. And I can't really, I mean, I, I would have enjoyed it, I'm sure, but I can't really say I was chomping at the bit to see another Gargano-Ciampa match. I don't know how you feel about that following the story, but from afar, I'm actually much happier with what we've got. Uh, all due respect to Tommaso Ciampa and, and to him a very speedy recovery. Uh, but Gargano versus Adam Cole, two out of three falls for the vacant title, that to me, that's just awesome. I'm, I'm pumped. I think this is going to be great. This probably is the match of Adam Cole's career, is it not? Like, Well, I think it would be hard to argue that it's not at this point. I mean, he has done – I was thinking about it earlier today, just where he's at, how he's gotten to this point. You know, he's been featured at three out of the five takeovers that he's been involved in in singles matches. Um, so, well, let's see. Is that right? Has he even had three singles matches? Well, he, he was Extreme Rules against uh, Black, Black. And then he had uh, his match against Ricochet at Brooklyn. And then he had the ladder match. So, yeah, that's three. Gotcha. Okay. So, actually, in three out of the five takeovers he's been featured on, he's been in multi-man scenarios. Two war games. Yeah. And then the, the ladder match that he won to become the first North American champion. But So, only two times, man. And, and Adam Cole has been the freaking bee's knees for NXT since he walked in the door. I was there that night that he debuted at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3, and that was the better part of two years ago. And, I mean, he showed up, and instantly he was the most over thing on the card. I mean, <laughs> we left the building that night, just everyone chanting too sweet. I mean, I mean, it was all about Adam Cole, the, the little Adam Cole baby. I mean, you, lo- yeah. you walked your 20-minute walk through traffic out of the building was nothing but Adam Cole chants. And that was two years ago. And, I mean, here we are, and this is his first, this is his best chance to shine to date because I think pretty much everybody knew that the the takeover Philadelphia card on which he performed with Aleister Black in that street fight as great as it was was never going to be able to top Gargano versus Cien Almas and then the 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 match at Brooklyn lit this past year against Ricochet I mean that's that's probably NXT's best version of the classic mid-card match, you know, classic 15 to 17-minute mid-card match for a mid-card title. I mean, that's that's what a mid-card title match is, is really all about to me. So he's never gotten that main event time in a one-on-one scenario, and here he is. Exactly, and and this is like everything that he's been working towards and everything that he's been proclaiming on NXT TV is finally happening right there. He's got a chance to win the title, and uh, and and 
And this is probably like this is one of the few matchups that we haven't yet seen from from what I said earlier, this like NXT top six. Right. This is like one of the feuds that just had not happened yet. Gargano and Cole getting their chance to shine. Gargano has been you could argue he's been in the match of the night for a year straight. Like that is ridiculous. A yep. year straight where he it's he's one of the two guys in a top match for the the takeovers, which are already pretty much universally celebrated as like the you know, the top pay per views or if you want to call them that in WWE, like takeover is consistently being seen as a better in ring product than the main roster. And so you're coming into WrestleMania weekend and it kicks off and he's it's Gargano Cole. So in a way, like, yes, we weren't expecting it, but this is not this is like the next most logical best option is these two guys. And when Ciampa was hurt, I was like, well, they got to get Cole in there like that just makes the most sense. And I'm I'm really uh, glad that that he was the one to, to get the, the nod making it best two of three falls. Uh, is a great stipulation for these guys because it's going to allow them to to shift gears without it being just one long like oh we're going to have a close fall close fall close fall like we know we're going to get close falls but now you've got that added uh, suspense because they can actually have more than one fall in the match have and they need two to win so that's going to be a great enhancement for for this main event they're going to get lots of time to shine uh it, this is this is really uh i think you're right in saying yeah champa gargano again would have been good but this is i think it's going to be better i am so excited about this match <laughs> i just am so pumped about it i think that uh i think johnny gargano you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier about how do we compare NXT history to WWE history i mean if we were to integrate those two things and equally weight them then has anyone ever had the kind of run that Johnny Gargano's had? I mean, he's had, dating back to that Brooklyn show that I went to in 2017, so August of 2017, every singles match that he's been in has been four-star or better. But, like, all the ones he had in 2018 and the one he just had to start 2019 are all, like, at or near five-stars. I mean, they're all all-time great level matches that if you watch them back, I mean, that match with Almas is just absolutely amazing. The first match with Ciampa was absolutely incredible. The other two matches with Ciampa were great, too. And that I think, personally, I don't know, I haven't talked to you, haven't had the chance to talk to you like I normally would have after takeovers, um, doing previews and missing the last two previews. This is the first time we've talked since before Brooklyn 4. So that's right. Ricochet and Gargano to me that was that's the WWE brand you know WWE you know, overall match of the year to date. I, I thought that was absolutely unbelievable. I agree. I I actually had it match of the night, match of the weekend for Phoenix, and then for me Gargano Black at War Games too was match of the night too. Just the story that they told. And and having Black, you know, coming back from that injury that and oh yeah, that was Gar- incredible. Yep, the absolutely. the summer of Who Done It, right? And that was like so compelling to like kind of follow week to week who's involved, and it ended up being Gargano after all. And their match really like 
that was such a great climax uh, and and resolution to that feud. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of good things going for Gargano and and his career right now, and and for him to be staying healthy, unlike his brother Champa, right? Yeah, like that's indeed. huge. And gosh, I mean, Johnny Gargano is the reason why you want to ask the question. When can we start having conversations about NXT legacies alongside WWE legacies? Because he has had just this unbelievable NXT career. Johnny Takeover, indeed. I mean, they go back to the tag team matches that they had with the Revival. I mean, just unbelievable These the, the, the work that he's put in the last three years at NXT Takeover and you know, it's hard not to look at this match with Adam Cole and just assume that it's going to be the match of the weekend because, you know, we've talked about the the tag team title match for NXT. That certainly is, if there's going to be one that steals the show, it feels like it's probably going to be that one. And if that's the case, probably steals the weekend too. But, man, Gargano and Cole, just hard to bet against it, right? It is. It's really hard. And I, and, and I think what's, what's kind of cool about this is, uh, you want to talk about NXT, you know, cementing its legacy, uh, versus the main roster. Um, you know, this is the kind of match that makes you think, well, maybe they're keeping these guys on the brand because they, they're going to try and make this its own, its own entity you know maybe dream stays in nxt maybe he doesn't go up maybe triple h and and company are like no we're not letting him go up because the nxt booking style is is such a a a breath of fresh air from what's happening month to month to month where everything is so rushed and condensed on the main roster versus nxt style where it's a lot more like you know 1980s early 90s wwe Things had time to build. You didn't have to worry about a uh, feud being spent in three months because the guys fought each other three times in a row. Like you've got three months between takeovers or two at the least. So they have time. You have time to get excited about it. You don't have to, uh, you know, feel like you're racing at 80 kilometers, 100 miles per hour, or whatever, with a, a feud and just trying to keep up every week as like, oh, I'm going to miss something, going to miss something. It's like, no, you, you get months at a time to be excited for the match. That's how it should be, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, uh, I, I love the NXT booking style. It's, um, you know, even though I don't watch the weekly show, just the, you know, reading your results tells the story very well. And then um, the the takeover matches just do such a good job of, of, of setting the stage and closing the chapters. I just, I'm, in love with the NXT brand. I love it and I'm excited that Takeover is on Friday. Frankly, I'm, I'm I like I like Takeover on Friday. I always thought it was cool when Takeover was during the week cuz it's such a condensed two and a half hours. It doesn't take that long to uh to to watch a Takeover. It's it's a, you can dedicate an evening to it and not have to, you know, go to bed at you know 2 hours later than you normally would. So, um <laughs> let's do some predictions as we get ready to wrap it up here, man. Uh, let's talk about that main event, Johnny Gargano's 
the culmination of his journey shortly, or does Adam Cole sneak in and steal one from him? Uh, I, I want it to be I want it to be Cole. I, I just see there's more possibilities if he wins, just because it's of what he has said. The unit undisputed era are going to all be champions this year, and that's a great uh, foil for Gargano to to you know once again kind of get maybe cheated out of it or or whatever um and gargano's already had a taste of the main roster so we don't even know if he's going to be staying so i i think cole's the guy and they can build up you know riddle or somebody else to to face him later in the summer well you know if gargano is leaving it seems like it would be a shame if his journey didn't culminate in winning the title even if he only held it for a couple of months. So I'm going to go with Johnny Johnny Gargano to win the main event. Let's go for the North American Championship. Velveteen Dream defending against Matt Riddle. Do you think that perhaps Dream is on his way to the main roster and that influences the result? Who you're going with? Personally, I'm going to say that, uh, that Dream loses the title. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I think Dream's going to lose. I don't think Riddle is ready. I think this feud could have uh, more legs to it. Uh, I think they could probably have an, a rematch at San Jose, and maybe Riddle wins there, uh, just to give the feud more time to uh, to grow and, and get more uh, interest. Um, but I think I think you might be right about that. I'd probably lean towards Riddle winning. Tag team championships on the line. The War Raiders against the current uh, floating tag team between main roster brands of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic winners Ricochet and Aleister Black. Seems like a pretty clear-cut War Raiders victory here. Do you see otherwise? I do not see otherwise. This is this is all War Raiders. They are the team that's been prized as the top dogs in NXT for the last few months. And I think it's their year, really. I think they're going to get the year to kind of show showcase their stuff. So, yeah, War Raiders for sure. Women's Championship, Baszler against Shirai, Sane, and Belair. I think uh, I think Baszler is going to uh, is going to win on the night. I still think she's got the main roster in her very near future, but I just don't see if she is. I don't think they're going to have her lose. Baszler to retain is, I think most reasonable result um but if there's an upset there um I, you know you could see maybe belair getting an upset just because of how she lost the last match maybe they give her a chance to shine but 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 that's my second option i think basler retains and then let's see who else can step up to the plate and i think we both already sort of predicted it when we discussed it earlier but pete dunn defending the uk title against walter i feel like this is the time for a new champion to be crowned and uh, Pete Dunn to switch roles a little bit from standard bearing champion to on the chase. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and it's interesting, like the last few uh, takeovers on WrestleMania weekend, uh, two years ago, you had all, all the title holders retaining. And then last year you had uh, new champions uh, except for the tag match. So uh, I think, there's like a chapter being turned here. I think you're going to see a lot of new champions, um, and and that's that's good. That's good for the brand, and it'll open up uh, new feuds for the summer. Indeed, indeed. All right, man. Well, um, obviously, you do our week to week recaps on 
LOP for for NXT. Uh, but do you do you have a cool points takeover rankings coming up? Yes, I, I'm gonna probably throw that. It's either this week or next week. Uh, I just haven't decided if I want to have the takeover results in there or not. But uh, yeah, there'll be a little bit of a state of NXT rankings for people to check out uh, this week or next. Excellent. He does a great job. If you're anybody, if anyone out there is listening that's like me and uh, wants to keep up with NXT, wants to know both what happened and how good it was, what to catch, um, but doesn't necessarily uh, commit the time to watching the week-to-week show, then then Jay Cool's recap has got you covered. And the cool points, I love those. That's always a good way <laughs> to sort of get some thoughts out there because there's just aren't all it's funny to me like as good of a brand as nxt is you just don't have a lot of people that write about it in the way that you write about it you know you don't hear week to week especially not on lop i mean you're pretty much the only one who does talking about all the great stuff that goes on um you know pre and post takeovers so well i appreciate that dog i think there's a lot of people you know in our kind of age bracket people who have careers and families and things like that and you just you can't follow it all so a bite-sized you know column uh that you can kind of read in five ten minutes once a week i think that's pretty manageable it keeps you up to date yeah well absolutely man well i I hope everybody gets a chance to check out a lot of the content that comes out this week on both lop and lop radio it's wrestlemania week coming up you know so there's going to be a lot of stuff going on and the wrestling industry as a whole. You've got the the uh, the ROH and NJPW Super Show going on at MSG um, on Saturday. You've got the Hall of Fame. you got NXT TakeOver New York. you got all these different uh, shows that are going to go on that feature some of the, the – pretty much – I mean, if, if, the, if, the, if you are among the best in the world, I feel like you're going to be in New York this weekend wrestling on, sh- on some sort of show that um, we'll be able to watch on – some sort of service so it's kind of pretty cool so i will be offering next sunday a 30 minute quick hitting wrestlemania 35 preview for those of you who want to wake up to something that gets your appetite wet gets you excited about the show later that night it's going to be a long day for people who are going to dedicate all of the all of the time that wrestlemania will demand from us it's going to be a busy weekend But uh, please check out all of the LOP radio offerings and LOP offerings, including the Hall of Fame ceremony, the LOP Hall of Fame. I passed that off to LOP Plan. Plan has been running it for me. So hit Cool and I up on Twitter, at LOP at the Doc LOP, to discuss anything we've talked about tonight. Otherwise, for Joe Cool, this has been the Doc Chad Matthews. Everybody have an excellent Excellent WrestleMania win. This is just what the doc ordered. I'm saying welcome. They sick of the other shows. Chad here to help them. The author of the Mania era is bringing terror on LOP radio. This is to prepare for the knowledge that he about to showcase. Like a bar that you lift, his opinions hold weight. He wrote a few books and he's working on another for y'all. This is a five-star podcast. Chad, let's get it on. Author of the WrestleMania era.